We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022, the American Express Picks, Bets, Preview, One and Done. We're going to break it all down, plus a recap of the Sony Open. Remember to smash the like button for the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network in the comment section. Give me your early lean for a winner for the American Express. Reminder, we're back to a three-course rotation this year, cut after 54 holes, and there's probably not going to be cameras at two of the courses. There's definitely not shot link at two of the courses, unless they really pulled the rug out from underneath of us, and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, we fixed all this, wouldn't count on that. What else do we have? Listener's League link is now available in the description. 2,500 spots this week. Shout out to Andy Lack. Everyone knows Andy. He won the Pat Mayo Experience last week, open on DraftKings. So congratulations to him. Also a big shout out to my guy Donnie Bassey, Basby, who ended up winning 40K uh, in the, what is it, the signature hole. He won an entry during the swing season to the $555 contest through a qualifier, played that entry this week. No Matsuyama, still came in second, 40 grand. Congratulations, dude. And there was a couple Hideki winners out there. Seamus Power couldn't get us across the finish line. If you're looking for more notes and research, you can subscribe to the newsletter. That post is already up now. Uh, it's just more in-depth uh, based on what I did on the research show earlier this week too so you can find that down in the description free to join and just get sent to you and that's where the bets will appear on wednesdays as well if you're looking for them along with DraftKings ownership jeff feinberg on the line with me 
there's nothing quite like writing up Hideki as a fade because you made a promise to yourself this year, Jeff, that you were just not going to discredit putting whatsoever. And I was like, well, he doesn't really putt well on Bermuda. He's never putted well here. If the score gets into the 20s, Mike minus 20s, I just don't feel like he's going to make enough putts. What does he do? Leads the field in putting. Of course, that's how it works. Yeah, career, all-time <laughs> career putting week for Decky. He wins in a playoff. Oh, it, was, it was quite an impressive performance, I guess, almost from some point on uh, what midway through Friday or something, he kind of started really getting it going Saturday. He was pin stalking and I don't know, the announcers were really trying to play nice to Henley on the broadcast, Pat. But to me, that was a total choke job. Like I get he shot five under. So in theory, like totally choke it. But he didn't make a single birdie on the back nine at Wiley, and he shot one over for the back nine. So I don't care. You do that. You're going to you're going to not win. You're just you're going to get hunted down. It's like if a team doesn't get a first down in the second half and they're up 20 points, you know, they'll score a point that good chance they are going to get got. All you do is like find one little nugget in the whole back nine. Couldn't find one. He lost all the credit in the world to Hideki, but Russell Henley's a guy that acknowledges he doesn't sleep well on the lead, and he got it to the back nine up five. So that's a whole other world win, I guess. Uh, you know, it, I, I I don't know. That's sort of my takeaway. I feel bad. He had that thing for what felt like 71 holes to a certain extent. This has happened, what, three times now in the past six months. It happened at Sony, it happened at Wyndham, and it happened... I mean, he was in the mix of the U.S. Open, wasn't he? Wasn't he in the final group of the U.S. Open? Yeah, you know, you really would have thought, like, okay, great. He fought, You know, he took it on the chin, winning is hard. I don't know. I, I don't know. They made the bogey, that ugly on the, on the par three that, you know, puts it in the impossible bunker. It ends up being a two-shot swing. And then from that point, it sort of just felt like it was only a matter of time before Hideki took it down. And Hideki missed a couple putts. Henley couldn't make anything. And, and yeah, Hideki was just magic. And, you know, it's not going to get the love of, say, clearly it's not going to get the hype of, you know, Bryson at Bay Hill and this. But that Hideki, like, all out, you know, bottom pants off like your power hitter in baseball on a on a you know on that 2-0 count just sitting dead red how he just that drive on the original 18 not the playoff hole he teed you know he lowered it a bit on the second and it, it set up that amazing approach shot but I know, that was that was like forever Hideki like I'd never seen him ramp up like that before I thoroughly enjoyed when the gallery stormed the 18th green on the 72nd hole. You can just hear the announcers being like, I, if they stand in the bunkers, I mean, if this goes to a playoff, they have to play this hole again. It was just like tournament organizers didn't really think that one through. I don't think that was an, ama yeah. it was an amazing shot. I mean, his putting was on all week. Uh, which was frankly very surprising. Uh, the only time he ever really puts like this on Bermuda is in Phoenix. So, you know, good sign for him going forward. That's now three wins in the past, like since last year's Masters. He's now won three times on the PGA Tour. I think he tied KJ Choi for the most wins ever by an Asian player. And what is he, like 28 years old or something crazy like that? You just forget that he didn't win for like four years because the guy literally could not make a putt. Seems like he's rectified that.
Yeah. And, you know, we would always talk about this, Pat. Wow. It's scary how long I guess we have been talking like used to feel like we could talk about the past of our show. And it was such a small, finite period of time Uh, going back longer. We always acknowledge player like Hideki. He's only 28. He probably feels like he's 34, 35 to just the blind golf fan because we met him so young. We met him so young. It was sort of before going to college became a thing for even some of these international players. He was such a baby when we met him that when he was like 22, he probably felt like he was 28 to some people, 25, you know, but this has happened a lot with a lot of the Asian golfers. Like M is the same way. See, is kind of the same way where they're just so much younger than you actually think that they are because they've been around for so long. Yeah. We get exposed to them quickly, and obviously we were exposed to him out of the gate. And, yeah, for a guy that sort of had a hard time finding winter circle, chasing smoke, trophy cases get in, is getting big. And he loves it. He's living life. Uh, you know, he just loves being in Orlando. No one notices him. He does his own thing. He's probably you know, living the dream decky. Seems pretty good. As someone who's – I didn't have any Russell Henley monies this week – uh, that had to suck. I, I, I've been there with Henley. The, the biggest one was the CJ Cup <laughs> one. And he got ran down by like real guys in that one. Like that was a loaded field. I think it was Xander or someone ended up. It was Patrick Cantlay who ended up running him down. Obviously, he got ran down by Hideki in this regard. But just like after a while, it's just, he's going to win one of these tournaments after everyone completely swears him off. I feel like that's what happened to him last time when he won in Houston. Remember Sung Kang had like an eight-stroke lead over Henley, well, then- Henley and Ricky, and then all of a sudden Henley won? You hate to like put a label on a guy or a narrative, but you know, we do a podcast and sometimes you got to find lanes. It does sort of feel like now that Henley's the guy that you're going to want like four strokes back on Sunday where he finds his 62 because next time he's got a lead, be it one stroke, be it three stroke, he just blew five on a back nine. If you had a live, if you had a Henley ticket, they were probably paying you 97%. Probably smart to take that cash out next time you had Russell. Henry. That almost that happened. It was the Super Bowl that Ricky shot uh, shot himself in Phoenix and held on because I got so lucky. Grace put it in the water, but um, yeah, I was loud. Like I don't know, I could take like ninety seven percent money right now. It's like it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not giving back anything. <laughs> Uh, And that ended up being, you know, you just embarrass yourself in front of other people as that unfolded. It's now been five years since Henley won the Shell Houston Open. It's funny because that when we think about the past of our show, I mean, that was like three or four years in. And I remember talking very specifically about that week because he was a guy whose numbers all aligned. It was a lot like the Chapel win, I think, at the same tournament the year before. It was too short. You're like, I don't want to bet Henley at this number. I don't care how bad the field was. And he was, yeah, he was great. We all sort of came back to the mic the next week saying, maybe sometimes you got to ignore a number. And if it's 28, but you needed it to be 35. Well, I don't know. Maybe sometimes you just got to swallow it. I, I, I don't know. That one's in the bag. That one lives forever for some strange reason. Anytime we get to a bad field event and numbers are short, that one gets brought up as the comp. 
I actually made out with some money this weekend, thanks to my good friend, Seamus Power, who went birdie birdie to end his round and made like 180 feet worth of putts to cash himself that juicy each way. But there was a point when he like he opened the round. I think he made 80 feet worth of putts in the first three holes. He was two under after three. Henley and Decky didn't move on one. I was like, okay, here we go. He was only two shots back at the time. I was like, is this going to be the week? Like everything kind of rounds out for me. And then like half an hour later, it was all over for Seamus. And then he gave one back on 14, then goes birdie birdie. So thank you, Seamus Power, for your top three, I- cashing the top five each way. I very much appreciate that. I was hoping I could have run to like my gone deep into to sorry, had to put some calls into the family to go deep into my late grandma's stash of glasses of how Tong pulled this off, by the way. Oh, really? I don't know. Those lunettes were incredible. I was vibing them like they're not for me. They wouldn't work for me, but I didn't hate them on him one bit. I it, was like, it was the best. It was the best fashion statement since VJ's glasses in the late nineties. Yeah, remember those? I guess what? Uh, yeah. Although I could have told you that How Tong wasn't going to win because I got a text from you know who that just said How Tong's going to win. Remember I said that after like Thursday. Interesting. I don't know. I was rooting for him. He almost got the the uh the top ten there. He almost got the top ten there, Pat. All right. Let's move on. I was gonna say something, but I don't want to. Do you have anything else from the Sony that you enjoyed? Cam Smith, Miss Cut, Webb Simpson sneaks through on the number, answer putted his way out of the tournament, Sung Jay gets Anderkers, can't rally back. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it was it was entertaining. Uh Cam Smith's driver is insane like if that's a real thing pat what this guy might do i know he missed the cut this year uh i had leishman in the one and done you come in 35th that's you may as well miss the cut not to like knock having leishman but it just doesn't mean anything it doesn't move any needle whatsoever it's the equivalent of a miscut i think in the big contests Oh, 100%. I mean, you beat Tim and I because both of our guys missed the cut. That's always a fun way to start the year. But I went against what I, the strategy that I gave out for one and done, I've already not used it week one because I talked myself out of Hideki, but he was the guy at the top of the board, the the guy from the top five of odds who no one wanted a piece of, and he was obviously the pick. Like, how how did I not do it? I have four fucking entries and I didn't do it. Yeah. That's bad. And I guess you, you, like we say, sometimes you'll talk yourself into a winner. Sometimes you'll talk yourself out of one. Like in many case, maybe, you know, the putting stuff with Hideki last week, but even from the outright perspective, Pat, he was kind of that perfect player in the sense that his number was 20 to one and he was 22 to one. I want to say the tournament of champions. And there was, I guess, in that respect, um, great value uh, on that. And I guess I'll own, well, I don't really disagree with anything I said. I didn't, wasn't really here for, how do I put this? Grayson Murray's an idiot. He's oh, that, 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 disabled that, that, that's what I wanted to talk about. In yeah, many regards. But Kevin, nah, I don't know, Kevin, go, go chirp at Grayson, whatever, man. Oh, that, come like, on. You know, no, one, li- no, one, no, no one likes Grayson Murray. Anytime you can have a chance to body bag him, you do it. Yeah, I guess. Like, Kevin, not because he gets it from all angles. He does, despite it not being on Twitter from blue check marks playing on tour. This guy gets it. 
This guy gets it. Even in the locker room, they make their jokes. These guys are watching. I promise you the guys in the locker room on Sunday in the players' lounge are giggling when Nas finishing up his round. Good or bad, they're giggling at who gets paired with him. Like it's a game. That's real life. The guy gets it from every angle. So I respect the fact in hindsight that he's like, I'll let everyone make fun of me. But whoa, 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 (laughs) stop the clock. I ain't taking shit from you. Like you're the one guy on this planet I will not take shit from. So in that, I do respect it. And I will argue in the sake that not is probably perpetually disrespected in many regards. That being said, like the whole cafeteria is laughing at you. And Grayson is like this freaking, I mean, I don't even, it's, I don't know. I'd be insulting to say like what he is. Um, But that's like the guy you laugh. It's, I don't know. It's like cringe factor, I guess, in some respects. But see, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see that at all. There's no one, there's no one cringier than Grayson Murray at all. Like full stop. Yeah. Remember, remember, remember when he was Instagram? Hit, to, he was Instagram hitting on like girls going to prom at one point. Revolting. People are like, I made some comments like, you know, this guy is almost something that you wouldn't say. You know, you don't even call the whack packers that anymore because we've evolved with with times i guess you know it's like gary the slow adult in some um respects we don't use our old terminology but i don't know it just felt i get it you're not gonna let like that's the one guy on planet earth i'll take shots from everybody that's the one guy i'm not gonna let laugh at you and my buddy said he's like no when you guys all used to laugh at me when something was funny but I'd only snap when that guy started laughing. Like, oh, okay. I kind of get it now. You'll take it from everywhere, but not him. Unacceptable. And, so sure. And in the end, it's a loser moron. And in some ways, nah, hypersensitive. But I guess, like I said, you're not letting Grayson make fun of you. Like, you're just going to get the last word when Grayson's going to diss you. Fair enough. And with Kevin, nah, he can laugh off a ton of stuff right now because he has four wins in the past five seasons. Oh. There's no debating any any part of that. Even, yeah, I don't know. The guy played good. played fine. Killed Taylor Gooch for three or four rounds, but it's a different story. It, it would be one, it was one thing when, I mean, it's funny because Nas is so much better than he used to be in terms of like pace of play. But remember when he had the yips and almost like had to quit golf and then he took that chainsaw, he took that chainsaw to that tree where he shot the 16. He's like been better since perpetually disrespected in in many respects and should be commended for what he has overcome to get back here. Cause we've seen many guys like go through it and just never return, let alone to like being card carrying members uh, of the tour, not guys that have gone on to win um, like Kevin has. And you know what, you know, this is kind of was, well, I saw it in sort of some sub, chats you know from you know our boy kenny kim waving that flag not take so much heat for being like a flashy korean in many respects he says even in his home country even in korea he's he's um not given the certain respects because he's just very flashy likes to flaunt his life and his success and and i guess why not i mean the guy's a logo of himself walking in pots right he likes to put it out there but if that was, you know, someone else, we'd probably think that was 
people would maybe consider that way cooler. Yeah. But I mean, like well, in the Asian culture, in some respects, it's he takes a lot of heat from like senior Asian media because he he, you know, likes to show how nice of a house he has, which is something to be proud of in America, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, that's why he plays underneath the American banner. What he should do is just like, too bad he wasn't from Thailand. He could have been like Kiradesh. And then, you know, no one flaunts it like Kiradesh. And make all those President's Cup teams. 100%. 100%. You'd be like the best player on those teams. Anyway, do you want to talk about the American Express? Sure. Right. Yeah. Let's do it. COVID has not been kind to a lot of things. However... It was pretty kind to this tournament last year because we got rid of the Pro-Am, we got rid of the three-course rotation, and we got to play three rounds at the stadium course at PGA West, which was fantastic. But now the Pro-Am is back. We're going to see some uh, Carlton from Fresh Prince doing the dance. Maybe Ray Romano shows up because that's like the quality of celebrity that you're getting at this Pro-Am. But now it's back to three courses. You have the stadium course, which is the host course, where everyone will play the final round. It's where they have the cameras. It's where they have all the shot link data from. The Nicholas course was used last year for one round, and the players will play it again just once this year. It's 7,200 yards. They're all par 72s. And now La Quinta is back in the fold this time around. Um, and you know, the players will play each of the courses in rotation each of the three days. There'll be a cut of the top 65 and ties going into the final round. And then everyone will play at the stadium course. This is the site, Jeff, of where Adam Hadwin shot his 59. And it's almost like it doesn't exist because they didn't have a camera on him until hole 17. They had to run the, the handy cam over to that one. This is, uh, yeah, this is, um, I don't know. I can't stand, especially you know, in some of the DFS aspects or the three course rotations, the pro-ams, these are kind of the, some of the most annoying events on tour. Adding the fact that John Rom plays and he perpetually plays great here, it seems it's kind of an annoying, an annoying first look to be honest. Yeah, it's not great. See, woo! Ended up running down Tony Fina, Brandon Haggy, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Cantlay made a run and ended up coming in second, but that was with the final day 61. So Wu ends up winning. Andrew Landry has won this. Rom has won this, like you mentioned. There doesn't really seem to be a prevalent skill set at this tournament. Like, Bombers win. The shortest hitters end up winning. You make so many birdies from, like, inside 125 yards. There's forced layups. The stadium course is a Pete Dye course. It's just a really wonky tournament. But, I mean, let's talk about the favorites, because Rom is playing. Cantley's playing at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. They're 5-1 to one and 9-1. to one. But outside of the year that Rom won, it's been, like, long shot city at this event. Yeah. Also, we had that great win here three names ago when uh, Duffner like made a save from like in a rock bed. Yeah, he beat on, Ling, on be, maybe he beat Lingmurth in the playoff. That's the year that we had that. That's the reason that we had so much money on Danny Willow at the Masters because Duffner won that week, and then we all bet Danny Willow because he won in Abu Dhabi, and then I'll, we just looked. He's like, oh, he's one hundred and fifty to one. Let's bet him. Oh, uh, good times. Uh, I'm done going down memory lane here. No, you're absolutely right. And this is almost like a broader range. Like can Feinberg adapt conversation? Is there, does Feinberg need to adapt? Um, if Feinberg needs to adapt, maybe this isn't the week to do it. What the hell am I talking about? I'm deathly afraid of John Rom. When Tiger Woods was the absolute peak, I'm not comparing them. I wasn't really making outright golf bets. And if I was, I was doing it for majors. I remember working with Cam 
you know, when when his wife chased him with a golf club and that sort of being, you know, at some point a downward trajectory. But I don't I was never really betting golf when Tiger was this figure. And I'm not saying Rom is this figure. I'm just saying in all our time and maybe I'm overreacting. I didn't like fear players. The, the, I, I didn't the, give speed the respect he the, deserved. The, the, the and old, I was a big DJ fan. The only guy. Hold on. The, players. The, the only guy I feared was that stretch when day won everything. It was just like, oh, Jason Day is playing. He's going to win. Yeah. Okay. And he had that like that five win season. It included a major, I believe. And that was incredible. And you're right. And maybe there is no reason to fear Rom. I just look at how Cam Smith needed his absolute ceiling and on a comfort course where it seemed like if by reports he'd been hanging out there for, for a couple weeks or something in advance, like total perfect setup for cam smith and he outdueled rom i'm not taking anything away roman felt like it took two and a half days to really get it moving and acknowledge he hadn't really touched the club since october uh he could just be warming up that being said if i'm afraid of rom mate like this shouldn't maybe be the event because rom's skill is neutralized here and we have a history of 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 really nice above the mid tier and super long caching. So I'm in this like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Maybe I absolutely need to do each ways different markets, Pat, like top American, maybe is something I should look at to like weasel numbers uh, on guys. Like, I don't know. I'm just in this, like, and I'm a forever, like just outright kind of guy here, but I'm telling you, I haven't all these thoughts about moving into a different lane. I can see it. If you're not willing to lose money every time John Rom wins, then I don't know what you're doing golf betting because you're probably not betting someone five to one or even Cantley at nine to one to win a tournament. Just some weeks, Rom, the best player in the world, or Cantley, one of the four best players in the world, are just going to win and you're going to have to eat it and move on to the next week. That's the way that I'm going to end up approaching this. I probably. Uh, but the one good thing about but you the, play but each ways, I do play each ways. That's true. But I do think that both of them being here, I mean, the good outweighs the bad when it comes to the longer guys in the market, because, because these two guys are here, it's pushing everyone else down. You're getting better numbers on everyone. Not so much at DraftKings Sportsbook. This has now become the second week in a row that all the opening odds at DraftKings Sportsbook are relatively unbettable, but like wait eight hours and then they'll adjust. It feels like they really don't want to get taken by the first first responders to golf odds right now. Yeah, I guess that does seem to be the case at DraftKings. And listen, Rom won one time last year, right? Yeah. He won one time. <laughs> um, so it's maybe more so like what I'm worried about could happen, but I don't know. I just like to, I don't like to, how do you put it? I like to sort of stick to what I do. Cause I feel like when I pivot week to week, that like leads to variants that I don't like either. Like I'm all in on outrights and I don't do each ways. And when I miss each ways, I make it all back when I get full payout on my outrights. And I've always proven to myself that I will hit. Um, I will, I will hit a quota that will make, make me money and make me happy and make me entertained. Like I've never, like knock on wood, but I've never not since we've done this show. I've never not found my quota. So people are like, why change? Like why change anything? I don't know. This guy just gives me a vibe like that. He's about to train 
train it all. Good answer. I'm not betting him. I have no interest in stepping in front of John Rahm at five to one. Although you could make the case that his master's number at eight to one versus this at five to one represents value. Like you could, or, or plus 650 this week, eight to one to win a master's. You could argue to yourself that's value in some respects too. I'm not betting it, but I, I don't know. I'm looking for different markets and, and different things to lose money on, on Luke List. On, on, on Luke List, yeah. Well, I, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about Hideki. Like, I, I started to incorporate more putting into what I wanted to do, and I think the the fatal mistake that I made when I'm trying to, like, you know, retroactively think about what happened is maybe stay away from the Luke List can't putt type guy because the elite ball striking is never really there. Like, it is there sometimes, but the putting never comes along with it, where Decky could win a tournament by losing strokes putting from time to time because he is such a consistently good ball striker, where List <laughs> isn't. Like, Connors is kind of going to fall into that. Like, I feel like Connors is going to win this year somewhere. He's going to ride a hot putter. Just the ball striking is just too good. And I hope... Yeah, I hope it's an, I plan on losing a lot of money on Corey Connors, but I say that going into every year and then it's like, oh, but he's 20. He's going to be in the 20s a lot. So it's like, God, do I want to bet him? Maybe I just watch the win, you know, but yeah, well, he's in that range right now. So we'll talk about the entire favorites. I do want to let everyone know uh, the DP World Tour is back, formerly the European Tour in Abu Dhabi this week. Sky and Tom will be back with the DP World Tour Picks and Bet Show. They're actually going to go live on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Mayo Media Network to break down the tournament, make their bets, and they're going to be taking questions from you guys. Frankly, that's probably a more interesting tournament this week. It has Morikawa, Hovland, Rory. Like, this is always one of the premier, like, Middle East swing events. It's the one that kicks off the Euro season. So I highly recommend that you tune in into that it'll also be available on fan- daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix audio podcast feed when it's done and there is everyday australian open tennis bets up on mayo media network and that podcast feed too from our guy john reed who crushed the grand slams last year so i highly recommend you checking all that out full range of favorites so you got rom you got Cantley at DraftKings sportsbook five and nine then it's scheffler at 16 sung jay at 18 gooch and finau at 20 connor's at 22 answer at 25 Seamus power at 28 and the wolfman matthew wolf maybe i should bet him it's my son wolf's third birthday today so i should probably get on the wolf train here this was the the site of all of his problems last year where it all began he's now 28 to 1 in this field uh, and that's everyone below 30 to 1 now if you do site shop a little bit you can find significantly better numbers scheffler down Basically, like the only one that's better here than anywhere else is answer. I'm seeing answer 22 at most places. He's 25 at DraftKings Sportsbook. Where's our super long 27 at another place if you really wanted it. So I think that the DraftKings Sportsbook odds will adjust at the top end uh, over the course, like I said, of the next eight to 24 hours. Once guys are not betting these numbers, they'll drop everyone else down uh, to reflect an easier betting market. But answer was still the one that really stuck out to me. Answer and M actually. Uh, I know that Sung Jay, he was Andrew cursed last week. What do you want to do? He actually made a run at the cut line and answer just couldn't make a putt to save his life. But when I went through the research show, clicked on the Pete Dye tabs and everything like that, you, you always have to remember who's number one. It's Abraham answer. <laughs> yeah. And I almost, sometimes I get caught doing this, but I'm like, everyone's going to be on. When you made him your one and done last week, at least the purposes of the game that we're going to play head to head. I was like, I like it because everyone's going to be all Save over him, him next, next week, week. and yeah. he's ready to pop and you're going to pop him um, a week early. I bet him he didn't win, but in the terms of outright markets, 
It's just a loser. It's as good as my Jason Kokrak outright bet or any of my bets that flirted with winning. They they all got zero dollars for me in in that respect. So answer certainly going to pop. You're not really getting a break on any of the pricing. I would be concerned. Scheffler of those guys, Pat, he's the only one we're seeing for the first time, you know, being a non-champion. Wolf, Wolf as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Wolf as well. And Scheffler, as you mentioned, he he was third place, but my memory's a blur. Would have been a football playoff weekend. Was that like a contending third place or a fly up the leaderboard sort of Sunday third place? Not that it matters, but I like to know. I believe that was not necessarily a fly up the board. I, I can tell you right now because the final group was Siwoo, Finau, and Warinsky last year. And Siwoo ended up holding off. Cantley was the one who made the big charge from the back of the pack. Let's see here. Scheffler was... Iron Chef. Where was Scheffler? No, Scheffler missed the cut here last year. So I had that wrong. So it would have been the year before then he was? I guess so. Yeah, he was third in 2020. Okay, my bad. Answer was second that year, and Answer was the one who made the big Sunday push to come in second that year, but he wasn't really in the mix. So yeah, Scheffler shot a 70 in the final round. Landry won shooting a 67, so I think he was in the final group. I am not in a rush to make a bet in this range, but historically I do like to bet, you know, some of these guys in that 20 to kind of 35 to one range. I just, I'm not ready to make a decision. I'm more excited about some of the guys North of 50, at least that have gotten my, my first bets of the week. Well, uh, per fantasynational.com, fantasynational.com slash mayo, to get yourself that 20% discount, run your own numbers. Looking at everything right now, like everything's kind of pointing to answer, even when you look back at last week. Like he gained off the tee, gained on approach, he gained around the green, lost two and a half strokes putting in two rounds. He sucked on the greens. That's two weeks in a row he sucked on the greens. But in the course of his career, he's actually a pretty good putter, so you think eventually that flips back for him at a Pete, Di- at least two rounds at a Pete die course that uh, we overlooked see woo in this spot last year, just based off his die performances and how well he played at sort of like the corollary courses. And, you know, didn't turn out well for me when I didn't bet the one time all year, I didn't bet see woo. He won fun times. Uh, that's, that is, uh, that's pretty hard to swallow there, Pat. It, amazing. It seemed like the mean substitute teacher setting the number at DraftKings. Taylor Gooch, 20 to 1. That feels that that has to drop. Because who is betting Taylor Gooch at 20 to 1? Yeah, even if you like him, I mean that's the same number as him and Fina and yeah. <laughs> just the other guys. It's... Uh he does looking back at the course history in terms of total strokes gained over the past five years, Gooch is fifth amongst all players in the field. Yes, not surprised to hear that. But now it's like to bet Taylor Gooch. I'm a big Taylor Gooch. Uh, I bet him last week. But now when you bet Taylor Gooch, you have to make that decision of um, it's all Sam Burns would probably be a more extreme example of this. It's like their numbers are now right beside these. Jeez, I'm about I can't call Finau a proven commodity. But. No, but he's someone that we've seen top five in majors and things like that. And Finau's yeah, you're literally and Finau's now, done it for five years. When you want to now pull the trigger on that player, you're literally staring at players at the identical price that in some respects carry significant weight, in my opinion, to, to pass on. 
um that, not necessarily this tournament in general but you know just imagine the next time we see sam burns again the the player who will have the on par number with him they'd be like whoa good I, for sam burns I, i'm gonna guess that's next week and i believe he's playing farmers didn't he make a run at farmers last year like wasn't this the beginning of his heater uh yeah i think he went out on the in the final group on sunday and then he followed that up with like a first round lead in Phoenix. So and then he was he in the absolutely... and then he was in the final group at Riviera too. Yeah, he might not have been in the final group at at Tory if he was in the final group at Riv. But yeah, he definitely had a hot little run run here. So no, let's see where where's the number? I, I have it written down, so I wouldn't forget it. 12 of the past 13 winners have played at least one of the two Hawaii events um, to kick off their season. So, like, would that make someone who hadn't played an immediate cross-off, or do you just, that's just all noise to you? It's not total noise. I mean, I would say the fact that it came down to Henley versus Hideki, it essentially will, again, make every trend go right back to that for, for Wailai next year. Um, so... No, I mean, those are I, those are normally good players in some respects. It's not a be-all and end-all for me. It might make it harder to make that first decision on Scheffler, like versus M or versus Finau or even versus Connors. And I'm very bullish on Scheffler. I drafted him in the second round of... Uh, our draft, but you know, something I do in a fantasy draft isn't going to affect how I make an outright bet on 20 to one. I promise you that, but that could be something to decide if you have to make a move on M or Scheffler, I assume for you would be M. It would be. And I think M's in a nice spot here. And I think we'll see his number get crushed a little bit as the week goes along in a good way for us. Like he's probably a better bet Wednesday than he would be on a Monday coming off the Ander curse. You cannot underrate that whatsoever. We've seen that be a very good spot for a lot of players and, he only really played poorly on Thursday. He played fine on Friday. He kind of got it back together. And I suffer from being. Yeah, I don't know. He was Ander cursed. I don't, I don't want to overrate it. Sung Im's a type of player. Like I, I don't know if he has a floor week and I wasn't a part of it. It doesn't even register with me. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like it... almost, I missed it. It almost means the next week could even be more of a green light situation. I'm I'm just, you know, sometimes I struggle with um it's one of the part like now that we're one week essentially into a full field event and two weeks into doing the show, Pat, I don't want to get myself caught in being like, oh, I bet Connor's an answer last week, and there's reason to really like them both this week and just sort of blindly sticking to that but i guess under 30 to 1 those would be the guys i do like <laughs> yeah answer is the one who still sticks out to me here i probably won't go back to seamus power a lot of that was putting we can get um last week. a uh, book we use has a 33 on answer yes i'm staring at it right now but we're, we're talking about DraftKings sportsbook jeff yes and <laughs> um they'll they'll raise they'll um with the tide what's it something all boats rise with the tide Hopefully all tides raise all boats. I don't know. Are you, are you a nautical man? No, I'm not a nautical man. I'm buried in winter. 
Yeah, I that, wish I, I was a nautical I, man. I, I, I saw I saw the the pictures of what's going on where I formerly lived, where you live right now. Does not look great. I've lived here my whole life. Like it's Canada. For us to be now, listen. We had a mayor once calling the national guard because we got some snow, and we've been embarrassed in the city I live in for that for a long time, but. I've never seen this place like shut down like it has been today. There are starting to be signs of life, but it is up to my midsection when I opened the door today. So something came, a hurricane of snow came through here last night. Let's go to this mid-range. And I think, I mean, we've already talked about Russell Henley a little bit, but this is a good course for him. He's 35 to one. Like we've seen this happen a bunch of times where a guy comes in second, and it's usually a good player who ends up doing it. Like he comes in second, then goes and wins the next week. But like, how do you properly gauge Henley here? 35 to one. I mean, it's a pretty good number for this type of course, isn't it? It's, it's a, it's better number than we got last week. <laughs> and for, I guess for all the, you know, shots or not shots, but the, the comments on, on the DraftKings numbers, this one is very strong. It seems like on a Monday morning. And as somebody who wasn't scorned by Henley last week, I'm actually attracted to this. Like, I don't feel any of the, the scar tissue to me. It's a, it's a player on a course fit. Who's playing well. I didn't get burned by what happened last week. So I have confidence um, in Henley at the moment. I, I like that for sure. As we cross 30, that that's one of um That's a bet. I take notice on. I don't really bet him a ton uh, or hasn't really cost me since we record but yeah i don't really remember ever betting him so i don't know that i would get there but 35 to 1 i like it so reed and henley are both 35 and then we have cameron tringali 45 to 1 right now will zalatoris making his season debut is just randomly 50 to 1 i thought he'd be a lot higher rose is 55 Cbez and your boy little ricky they're both 60 to one. Ricky hasn't played yet this season either. Neither has Rose. Hadwin hasn't played, but this is this used to be his jam 65 to one. List hasn't played. He's 65 to one. Paul theorized that the DraftKings Sportsbook odds makers are giving List and C Woo the Mayo bump just by making them 65 to one <laughs> each. Uh, then then he got like other guys like Ortiz is playing for the first time in 2022. He's 80 to one. First time we're seeing Werner. He is 90 to one. Uh, Taylor Moore in Vegas. We haven't seen Vegas or Noren play yet like they're all kind of they're well they're not kind of in this range they all are in this range uh there's a couple guys that i i don't see a huge differentiation between a lot of these guys and guys that are 100 to 1 plus to be perfectly honest with you um in some respects there's a few here that that caught my eye like out of the gate there was a, a 65 on willie z out of the gate on DraftKings this morning that i saw a few guys take advantage of i think bezenhout at 60 is a that's, is a nice that's my bet my bet is bezenhout 60 to 1 yeah that I, I totally get behind that that's one that stuck out to me out of the gate as a guy whose game i think um plops around here quite perfectly I'm just gonna list off some names but I'm, as i said off the top i woke up this morning thinking oh it's a rom week oh got to do this. And you know, what am I going to do? And then I look at an odds board and there's just guys over 50 to one that, Oh my God, I like. So Willie, Bezaden, uh, Carlos Ortiz, you mentioned the first start, but 80 to one. 
on like how you see the winners get around this place does it for me norin 65 know i'm a bit of a sucker for norin and he's got that that oh no that's wallace it's gonna make fun of norin's putting grip it's wallace who does the two thumbs attached which is so messed up to me but norin's a guy pat remember we used to label him as a um the hard course guy. yeah guy but and now over he, the last but now he's year just, yeah but he's he's been like straight up bad for three months like he was horrible in the swing season everywhere well that sucks to hear because a lot of those courses those like birdie fest situations he was having great great little runs in um maybe i'm i'm being biased in that but i'm obviously keen on nord and you know luke list i would shop i'm a sucker for that and and uh, see Wu at sixty five, I could argue some serious disrespect. Yeah, that is massive disrespect for old C Wu. And the only reason you bet C Wu every single week, which I will be doing this week, obviously, and I want to miss out again at a Pete Dye course where he's already won. But just mm. you, you're going to know whether he has it or he doesn't within like ten minutes. So I just listed a bunch of names. So I was like, oh, Rom, I don't, I don't want to bet like mid. I got to bet guys that have to chase Rom, and now I'm excited about some guys, which is pathetic to say. And you even said someone else who I think this place could set up perfectly for, although I'm never on the right side, ever. And you'd argue, is he ever on the right side? So obviously you pick Harold Varner, you're going to be on the wrong side because he's on the wrong side all the time, most of the time. But I go to these course fits for Varner, and I always get sucked in. I get sucked in. Charlie Hoffman has withdrawn for with he withdrew from this tournament, so he is out right now. The one that I was looking at, and I randomly stumbled across this, and this could be complete noise when it comes down to it. But for I was looking at Andrew Landry and where Andrew Landry has played well over the years. Heritage, he's so played pretty well. Uh, Valero at TPC, the Oaks course in San Antonio, he's played really well. So I went and looked at the past five years from the Oaks course at TPC San Antonio. And then all of a sudden I start to see random guys pop up like Connors uh, is the best player. That's where Connors got his win. Hoffman, who's won this event before, obviously not in the field now. Uh, Lucas Glover, Ryan Moore, Snedeker, uh, Siwoo, Camillo Vijegas, Streelman, Andrew Landry, uh, Chris Kirk, Patton Kazire, KH Lee, Ricky Fowler, all guys that have been like kind of around on these leaderboards, not the elite of the elite, but the elite of the elite don't go play at the Valero Texas Open at the same time. So there's been a lot of guys who have done well uh, at Valero for I don't know, reasons, I suppose. Uh, maybe you know, it's a drier type course. Obviously, that one's in Texas. This one's in California. Uh, they're both Bermuda Greens. Maybe they're like a similar style of like overseeded rye Bermuda Greens. I don't know. I just thought it was really strange to look at both of them and be like, huh, there's a lot of similar names on both these lists here. That's a comp I never would have even considered, to be perfectly honest. And, and it could be absolutely nothing. Like, the courses don't seem to have anything in common with each other besides names that have played well at both courses. You're really looking at it there, are you? Yeah, I'm just staring at the numbers. I'm staring at the numbers. DraftKings actually doing some nicer things as we start to flirt with 100, Pat. Yeah, well, once you start getting down the board, they have longer odds on a lot of guys than most other places. Just the top of the board, they just don't want to get taken by the big guys. So I, I found that kind of strange. For me, Tringali is actually a look here. Um, I don't know why. Uh, you can find him as deep as 55 to 1 in some spots. I, I haven't pulled the trigger on it. I have pulled the trigger on Bezaden Hout at 60 to 1. He is my only bet inside of 100 to 1 uh, to start this week. So 
that's where I'm at with him. And I even went, look, he gained, he had lost strokes off the tee in 12 of 13 tournaments, gained a bunch last week. Wouldn't expect that to be like a new thing for him, but this is a course where you can attack it so many different ways is that he can hit it short off the tee. As long as he's hitting fairways, his irons and putting should be good enough to overcome that. And he can be that skill set type of player. Like, oh, we've seen like Brian Gay, Bill Haas, Mark Wilson. They've all won this event before. Duffner. Duffner, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. He fits that profile um, perfectly in some respects. You know, he'll, he plays well. He starts waving annoying on the weekend. But 50 to 1 wouldn't be a bad place to start your card. There's a couple guys just in front. I don't mean to go before we cross 100. I want to just talk go about lower Patrick Reed. Again. We should talk about Patrick Reed, right? Well, that's who I was one of two players I was going to bring up. Uh, you know, just sort of looking at it on the Fantasy National. There's there's some key like deep red for Patrick Reed, which be, could be concerning. But I am still bullish, which is so silly that um he's going to pull something early in the season. He's just going to turn go from like statistically horrible to amazing for four days. Cause that's Patrick Reed. Yeah, I can see it. I, I don't think there are certain players where numbers, it'd be like Bubba Watson. Like if you just went by pure metrics, would you ever have bet Bubba Watson to win anything in his career? No, but we know the upside of like, it's even like Siwoo, Siwoo, Bubba, Patrick Reed. Like they win enough that it's like, yeah, if they, if they can put it in a bottle for a tournament, they can win. And we've seen them do it multiple times. Yeah. We used to see Keimer do that a lot also. Just Wait, the regular Rotash. Is he, is he playing over in Abu Dhabi? Because he's got baby swag on his side. They just had their first kid. Yeah, I saw that he had his first kid. So congrats to him. I doubt that he's playing, but I have no idea. I've made a bet in that tournament, by the way. Was it Tommy Fleetwood? No. Really? Wow. But okay. You're blowing you, my mind. You no, know I'm... <laughs> Well, Fleetwood's a little lower for me to make a first bet. It's probably like 20 or 22 to one. I bet Adam Scott, 50 to one. That's a pretty big number. He has the same odds as EVR, who just played in Hawaii. And I I can't say what I... I made this joke last week about all these people who, who you know, all did their write-ups as like Cameron, uh, Mav McNeely, huge year coming. It's like you make a prediction on a guy... And that, that, you know, you get to the first event and you're like, oh, I think I need to play him because I picked him to win something big. I joke how I'll make a World Series baseball bet that it's opening day of 162. It's like, well, I picked him to win the World Series. I think I need to pick them to win this game today, um, you know, to start the year. But I'm going to do that with Adam Scott. I'm, I'm so high on what he's going to do this year as like sort of that older veteran going to flip a switch get back some some of that old life so i feel totally obligated at that field to bet him at 50 to one shame is power though pat even in the 30s you can make a case that it could be a very fair bet for him would this course not this setup this la quinta trifecta setup suit him absolutely perfectly perfect while he's playing fantastic i know in your article last week you mentioned 
Yeah, we would have like 16 top 20s in his last like 25 starts or something. Yeah, I mean, that's why I bet him last week when the when the number opened at 50. I was like, I'm in. This is the perfect course for him. I 50 is a more it's a number I'm more comfortable with. Not so much 30 on Seamus Power when now you're putting him up against guys that I just think that are better than Seamus Power. And maybe he's the guy that I don't want to miss the boat on either. Like, oh, like, would you rather bet Reed at 35 or Seamus Power at 30? Well, see, that goes right back to the conversation I had earlier about now it's like you get caught with players you like, like Gooch, like Sam Burns, as we'll experience all year. It's like <clears throat> now you're in this spot where you're making the decision to bet you like a lot more polarizing because I have to pass on, you know, player X, but everything just pops incredibly um, for Seamus. It's like hyper green, whatever color you call the good stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see what, his, what the DraftKings pricing is going to be on him. Maybe that's where I'll choose to attack him and go over. I do like him this week, but I don't necessarily love those odds based on what I want to do. Do you have any feel for like Rose or Ricky or any of those guys? It, it Yes and no. Gonna, I mean, you don't you, have to twist bet, my arm. Are you going to bet Ricky? To, I haven't bet him yet, but I see some numbers peaking around 60, 66. It's not horrible. Could work. I'm more into Ricky than Rose, but that's just personal bias. That's like going to the ice cream shop. You just you pick what you like, okay? Yeah, I think if you're going to target that type of player, there are better options down the board. Like, hell, Jason, Day, higher odds, Jason yeah. Day is playing in this tournament. Not that I really want much to do with Jason Day, but I don't see why you'd bet Rose at you know 55 when Day is hanging like 110 or something. Yeah, I've seen Day as high as 130. It had my attention. Him and who would it have been? Him and Leishman at the team event? He looked a little laboring, but I don't know. I, I could get behind uh jason day above above 100 and i i think that's a fair point you don't have to go as high as 130 but you could probably find players that might do just as much at 100 than you are ricky and and rose and 55 to one ish so see Woodland. Yeah, well, we'll get there. Sebez uh, at, at 60 is the, the only one that I have in right now. Play that with the each way. Make sure I get that top five. Because if I didn't play the each way last week, I wouldn't have won any money last week. So each way's helping out just a little bit. Long shots for the week. I got a few to kick these off. Uh, you mentioned Woodland. You, you stole my thunder. I, yes, I'm betting Gary Woodland. Uh, I got him at 100 to 1 with the top five each way. Currently at DraftKings, he is 100 to 1 as well. So I get that he hasn't played yet this year. That's not great for him. But he even looked pretty good at this tournament a year ago. Uh, and now he's healthy for the first time in ages. I think it's going to be a nice Gary Woodland rebound year. We talked about this on our season preview that they're going to hang numbers on Gary until that he can show that he's back to being, you know, a, a top 30 top 25 player in the world and we're going to try to reap the rewards right away i have no idea where his form is at whether he's going to be good or bad but this number's too long 100 to 1 i'm very pro gary and i'll be betting him at 100 to 1 uh and you sort of call it like in making your prediction it wasn't about winning a major it was about catching him at a weak field at 80 100 to 1 I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't bet this number after saying that. 
but this also goes to the thing I said earlier that I joked at myself about it's we're still at that part of the year where you made these preseason predictions on guys. And do you have to like say they're going to win the first events or bet on them? You know, that's something I'm not mentally strong enough not to. Some people might be. Well, <laughs> I think it's a little bit different than your example about like picking the Padres to win the World Series and betting them on opening day. We only get so many chances to bet these guys. And if you yeah, do no. and if you do hit them once, it's well worth it. That's very true. And I remember we talked about it in May. It was years ago. The Colts were like the hottest thing, right? Every year, Andrew Luck went like a step further. And they lost and it to was the their time to no, but it was week one versus the Bills. Oh, yeah. That's right. In, in Buffalo. And I was like, oh, I bet Colts to win the Super Bowl. We got to bet them week one. And we were like, no, this, well, yada, yada, no, you don't. And the Bills won. And now I'm just making stupid anecdotes. So let's get out of stupid anecdotes and talk about triple digit guys that can win because like you i'm staring at a few as well so woodland 100 to 1 with the top five each way i saw my guy chesco he's back why not 175 175 to 1 play that with the top five each way and i'll take the i I didn't want to fall into the lucas glover trap after last week he led everyone in approach at the sony open uh that's probably not going to repeat itself but it's nice to see that his irons are clicking he's played the first two events of the season improved mightily from the tournament of champions to the sony open uh when i looked at the crossover at the oaks course at tpc san antonio he kept popping up there as well tends to play pete dye courses really well couldn't drain a putt i mean he could he was like even for the week like dead even middle of the field gained nine strokes on approach i thought he was going to be priced at like 60 to 1 65 to 1 i was like i'm not going to step into that trap but i saw him at 150 to 1 i was like all right yeah let's go 150 to 1 with the top five each way lucas glover let's have it number one in approach last week number i'm one, trying to find number one in approach last week yeah it's pretty good pat I would, uh, but I mean, that is that his, that's probably his ceiling, right? So now it comes down from there. <laughs> yeah. But 150 to one, that's the thing. Could each way it, I don't know. See, that's even the type of corny thing or like, I'm, I don't know now in my afraid of ROM world, like I'm going to wait a day to see what these top American markets are, but that seems quite attractive for Glover. Even if you weren't going to want to get on him, I had Molinari circled, um, he lives out like he's a he's a, a California guy right now. And he seemed to have shown up in like last year and some of these uh, no cal courses been at his most uh, comfortable. Yeah, so I'm put- very into Molinari for this little startup event for him. Let's see. This was like his best run last year. He was eighth at this tournament, 10th at the Farmers. He was 59th at Pebble Beach, then eighth at the Genesis. And then he was god awful the rest of the season. He was he was T thirteen at the U.S. Open somehow, but that that was basically it for him. That's weird, but yeah, no California all through California, especially if we especially if we get some nice signs. He's even acknowledged that he likes it out there. He moved out there with his family. Doesn't practice a ton. He's like enjoying the life of being a champion golfer. A a you know he enjoyed what he got, but. Hopefully missing a Ryder Cup. Let's start it up again, Frankie. So, yeah, 150. That's freaking. You said 175 even? Yeah, 175. That's that's pretty good. Any love? I got on the wagon last week, the, the Tom Hoagie approach wagon. Um, that kind of didn't work out. But, 
you bring those approach stats to 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 Lakinta, mixed with a little putt luck, one hundred and thirty to one. He's played well here too. So that is one that that I don't mind um, a bit. Phil's playing. Hey, eh? we haven't talked about Phil. Yeah, Phil's hundred to one. Two hundred to one. Lost to Adam Long. Yeah, and Adam, yeah, Hadwin and Phil got outdueled by Adam Long, which Cus um, never ceases to bring up somehow. <laughs> Although he picked, he he claimed that Long had no chance in that round. The funny thing about Cust is like he'll watch in the doses of like the end of Sunday and see this Adam Long and I have no idea and watch Adam Long literally like he'll watch Adam Long play the best two hours of golf in Adam Long's life <laughs> and then he'll tell us that Adam Long is going to be this preeminent force in golf now like that's how Cust works like when Keith, Mike White Mike White or Keith Mitchell when he found out who Keith Mitchell was when he won the Honda it, it, Adam Long is is his Mike White of golf except you know the guy gets a flash the first time you see him you don't realize no that's literally the best he's ever performed in his life there's only serious regression coming uh I like the DraftKings giving you 100 to 1 on on Chris Kirk cuz he's not getting that anywhere else I tell you this feels like a very Chris Kirky course, doesn't it? Go make well, some birdies. Also- Go make some birdies, Chris. This was also part of where he was playing that great little run of great golf last year. He put a, I think he, yeah, he put a nice, he had that second or third place at Wiley and he carried it over to a performance this week. He got, you know, he hit a wall, I think, late on Saturday this week but i imagine oh, let me look at the numbers yeah, he was t- he was t- they're, they're always the same i'm sure with chris kirk yeah not he was to he was t- him, he was t but... he was t 27 last week i think it was but he was 16th in this tournament last year he has a 21st he has a seventh in his career he plays this tournament a lot even when he like lost his status he would still come to this tournament there's 156 players a lot of people get into this tournament but that's uh, DraftKings has a triple digits on him that I'm not seeing elsewhere, which okay. I do not mind. Yeah, Lucas Glover led the field by th- he 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 was he was first in approach. Henley was second. Glover beat him by three strokes on approach. <laughs> that's crazy. Who are some other guys who were up there? Armor, Stanley, Svensson, Dylan, Woo, Bramlett, Kadira, Justin Lower, who only played well with his irons and sucked everywhere else. Grayson Sig. Oh, Grayson Sig. Here we go. Now we're talking. Nate Nate Lashley gained three strokes on approach despite missing the cut. He lost over three strokes uh, putting for the week. So he was sort of like, he and uh, I mentioned on the the preview show, David Lipsky gained a bunch with his irons last week, couldn't make a putt to save his life. He ended up missing the cut. Uh, Aaron Rye gained uh, off the tee and approach. Couldn't chip, couldn't putt, but he had been playing really well through the swing season. Yeah, like he's, I think he's like 200 to one or something like that. I think there's viable shots. I mean, Adam Long won this at 600 to one. Um, who were some of the other guys? Like Landry won at 200 to one. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the point I'm about to make. And it sort of, it contradicts everything I I, I spoke out of both sides of my mouth at the start. Like, I'm so afraid of Rom, but this is, pro- despite his success here, this is probably not the event to start being afraid of that because the situation this week is so conducive for these lower tier players to just get unconscious. And it really does minimize what ro- makes Rom great, other than obviously being great 
And I mean, he's the best player in the world. There's no such like every course works for him. It, I, I don't need to explain him, but yeah, this is not the event maybe to fear Rom for me. I don't think watch him win and win by 10, but yeah, yeah that's still that's probably going to do outrights. Cause if I'm betting Lucas Glover, probably like it protected. If I'm betting Molinari, probably like to invest in another part of it instead of asking him to win the whole thing. But this is not the week. Like history has just shown us. You just read off the numbers, this place, the job squad can rise in La Quinta. <laughs> so you're going to bet Al snow at the American express. I'm not betting Al Snow, but the job squad can rise here. Like you, you've you've read it off. You've read it off. Uh, the other guys I was looking at in this range, uh, Grayson Sig actually was one of them. Uh, one fifty. <laughs> I, I don't have bets on these guys. I have bets on the other guys. Woodland, Molinari, and Glover. I'm in on the other guys. Keith Lee actually played pretty well last week. Has played well here. Putnam has both played well at this course and uh, the the AT and T Oaks course in San Antonio. He's starting to get his mojo back a little bit. He is one hundred and fifty to one on DraftKings, and he is one hundred and sixty to one elsewhere. Uh, maybe two hundred to one at some other places. Aaron Rye, Hayden Buckley. Chad Ramey is over 200 to one now. Like there are names from down here that aren't horrible. Yeah. Grayson's like 225 to one. I think Hudson Swafford, who's won this event, 175 to one. Like he's been playing pretty well. So you could take some shots down the board here. As long as you don't invest too much at the top. Like if you want to take Rom and three guys from beyond 150 to one, like you could structure your card. If you wanted to bet John Rom or Cantley for that matter, you could go Rom, Woodland, Glover, Aaron Rye. And that could be your card. And that's the same as betting five guys from like 40 to 60 to one. Yeah. And of course you can do that. People were telling me, Pat, that I think this is insane. And I actually got it from more than a few people. So I'm going to mention it that they will bet their card and then they'll bet money on John Rom to break them even on the week. I'd rather just lose my outright picks. Yeah. But again, we're, Listen, I'm not tracking my bets. I'm losing. I'll tell you that much. Uh, no, not last week. I, I but, get, like, like, but, but for people who need to put up the facade of like, oh, I won this many units. I won that many units. Like they need to be able to not be in the hole. I frankly don't care. I'm going to listen. I do this for fun. I have a budget that I'm willing to lose. And you know what? Sometimes I lose it. Other times I yeah. win. Sometimes it's fine. So that's... I, I'm not in the, I listen, if you're a, a serious better, maybe that's, that doesn't even seem all that logical because you're really killing your upside with a lot of this stuff. And if none of them win, you're absolutely, you lose double your money. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't agree with it at all. And as you sort of say that it makes me think like, I, I shouldn't, I don't want to change. Like I, I bet I have fun. I've sort of planned to lose a lot of money on golf despite getting lucky and winning. And it, you know, then sort of helping things. Uh, I come into the golf season like prepared to lose money on on golf, Jeff. So maybe when, I shouldn't change anything. When you go a hundred percent on your bets in football over a weekend, you you care not about golf when you don't have a great week. <laughs> Few of you guys had had huge weeks in the football. Yeah. Now I, I didn't even touch the Monday nighter. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay away from this one. Don't, uh, I, I don't want to start giving it back yet. I'll give it back to golf this week and see what the new board looks like on the weekend. But it was probably the best football betting week I've ever had. Somehow. Everything went exactly how I thought it was going to go. 
They even got bailed God. out in the uh, the Cincinnati game. It's it's fun when that happens. And not only that, like a lot of the game flows went as you projected them also, which actually makes you feel smart. Like you didn't just win the bet because of, you know, this thing, them doing something you didn't think they could do. The way you projected the games to flow kind of actually worked out just that way. So credit to you. Yeah. Uh, Eli Mitchell, got to get those correlated same game parlays on the go. Uh, I did want to ask you, because we'll talk about this on the football show. Oh, vote in the Custies, by the way. Uh, you can hit that down in the description. Forgot to mention that off the top. We got a lot of 2,000, 3,000 votes in already. You can vote once, go make your picks. You'll have a good laugh as we go through it. Uh, as you're reading them off, you're like, oh, I totally forgot that happened. And then you'll see why Cust curses everything. He even cursed poor... It, Patrick Mahomes into throwing a pick in the Sunday night game. But in that Cincinnati game, uh, the whistle play where he ended up catching the touchdown, they ended up counting it. I don't really have a whole lot of sympathy for people who are like, oh, well, the play should have been dead. I acknowledge that per rule. But also the whistle shouldn't have blown in the first place. So it was just a complete clusterfuck, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't have enough money on that one. Like, I get, you just see people so tilted, and I get some, I'm sure people get entertained when I'm tilted because I'm invested heavily. But sometimes I watch the refs fuck up, Pat, and you're like, I'm more entertained by these, like, gamblers losing their money on the internet than I would be if we had good refs sometimes. It's true, and it just, yes, it should have been a dead play when the whistle was blown. But the whistle shouldn't have been blown in the first place because that was also wrong. Like, but then doesn't that impact the effort? Like, you hear the whistle and I don't I know. Like, from... I, I watched it a few times and it didn't seem like it actually. If like the the whistle seemed to have blown like a split second before he caught it, like the ball was yeah. well into the air and closer to the receiver than the quarterback by the time the whistle blew. Like, what are we doing? There was just a cavalcade of, of bad. It's almost like we just wish we could have refs back to being like mediocre again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it is what it is. Well, I guess. we it, accept it, it. We watch it. We that, love it. That's the whole thing. It makes it wildly entertaining. It's just when you're betting real money on it, it would suck to be on the wrong side of it. But, but it's weird to think that their solution, like as a league, because people, are, you know, people be like, why are you guys complaining? You watch every way. You'll watch every game. We're like sheep for the league, which is totally true. They could charge me to watch the games that they don't charge me to watch. I'd probably pay like um, anyhow, I am one of those people like I'm not going away because refs make bad calls. But I don't think that they see it like why spend the money because it doesn't like change who watches like you could and what you could buy countries for what this league is worth. You think that they would want to find ways to have the best possible results or outcomes with refing, but I don't know. All right. Well, let's get into the quick picks for the American express. I shall make that easy on everyone. I got four names that I have bet on so far. They are Christian Bezadenhout with an each way at 60 to one. That's the top five each way. Woodland, a hundred to one with the top five each way. Molinari, 175 to one with the top five each way. The glove. Maybe the glover lover this week, Jeff, 150 to one with the top five each way. And I'll probably go to answer at the top of the board, but I'm not willing to make that commitment. Gotta find that glover 150. I've made um, two bets so far. I have bet Zalatoris at 55, and I've bet Bezadenhout at 60. I'm going to be betting that Molinari 
and probably yeah Molinari for sure I'm looking at Glover Hoagie Woodland Day there's a train and even all the guys I mentioned in that 60 to 1 range um yeah maybe even answer 33 but the only bets that I've actually made are are Bizadenhout and Zalatoris so I got to cut this list down and I want to keep my exposure down because Rom is playing yeah fun one and done picks for the week as per our three-man rule uh cust always gets to select first but you beat me because your guy made the cut with leeshan and my answer missed the cut last week uh cust is on the board with his one and done selection do you know who he is taking as his one and done this week i believe he told us he was taking Finau. that is correct he is taking tony Finau. so it's on you and this would be a sneaky, not so much for us, but a sneaky strategy spot to to get Rom potentially. You could argue he might not play in many weaker fields, and the the paydays are the paydays. Um, I am going to take. I think answer is going to be hyper popular. I'm going to yeah. take Henley. I'm going to say, and, 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 but but we're only doing a three man here. You can you can take answer. I've already used him. <laughs> um. Okay, fine. Give me, give me handsome Abe. Like the, these picks have no bearing on what we're doing in the the race for the Mayo Cup or anything. I know, like but at least this early in the year, I like to keep it relative. But I'll just join the forty percent who are going to pick answer this week. Uh, I'm going to go to Sungjae in this spot, coming off being Tim's one and done. I'm going to go back. I feel like he's going to be the forgotten top end guy this week potentially, unless everyone just talks themselves into Sungjae. But I think it's a nice spot for him. I like this course for him. I like every course form. There we are. All right, Jeff Feinberg at G Feinberg seventeen. When's your show with Rick coming out this week? Should be out tonight, or I guess tomorrow. It'll be out on Tuesday. Me and Rick talking some golf. I think Andy Lacks having me on his pod this week, so I'll have to give him props for winning your your um, contest this week. And yeah, I don't know. I'll be out and about. We'll be doing our show tomorrow. So lots of me. Lots of me. Yeah, I'm actually, I mean, we'll be back uh, on Wednesday with the spread picks. I'll be back with Ryan Noonan, your guy. He's on the DraftKings show tomorrow. Uh, oh, I like that. On, I like that. I'm pro Noonan. On PME. And then I'm actually doing a show with Odds Checker as well, coming out on Friday mornings, I think. Uh, it's just NFL bets. Me, John, Matt, talking through all the games, trying to make some picks. So you guys can uh, tune into Odds Checker US as well. There's, I mean, there's, I gave away a Peyton Manning autographed jersey. Apparently, they just have stuff to give away every single week. So it's oh, worth tuning in just for that. Lots of presents. Yeah. Lots of presents. Listen, yeah. they're, they're giving away more than we're giving away on this show. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, anyway, my article's out. Newsletter. Uh, PME open. Link's down in the description. No right. Go play in it. Um, that'll do it for me. Thank you all for watching. Smash the like on the way out. Rate and review the audio podcast. And we'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!